0: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
2: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Radio.
3: Could you use a Pro Bowl wide receiver? We will dive into that. Good morning. Hope your Saturday's going fantastic. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help get you there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Big NFL news. DeAndre Hopkins, the stud wide receiver formerly of the Arizona Cardinals. He is on the open market over here. So the Cardinals released this guy. I always love this. Team saves about $8 million in cap space. But he'll count just under $23 million against the Cardinals cap this season. But they release him. Can you say tank? So the Arizona Cardinals positioning themselves to be at the top of the draft. Why else release a stud wide receiver? But now that DeAndre Hopkins is on the open market, he's a five-time pro bowler. Who comes in and scoops him up? Swoops in, scoops. We got swoops and scoops. We got all kinds of stuff going on. We'll start with you, Rich, and good morning, gentlemen. Hope everything is fine in your world. Oh,
4: good morning. Yeah, um, this is one of those things where the story is almost about what he left behind instead of what he's heading towards. Because some of the things that he said on the I Am Athlete podcast about what he's looking for in his next team just gives you a view into what he thinks of his last team or maybe his last two teams. But he's looking for a stable front office. And he's looking for a quarterback who loves the game. Yeah. He didn't say a quarterback with a great arm. He didn't say a quarterback who's talented. He didn't say a quarterback who understands how to read defenses and knows the offensive playbook like the back of his hand. He said a quarterback that loves the game. I mean, if that isn't coming after Kyler Murray, I don't know what is. Mm. Because that, that, to me, has been the one thing since Kyler has entered the league. Does he love it? Does he love it? Because remember, when he was taking interviews and I'm talking about with you know media dudes like us, you know, just the, the jocks who have microphones, everybody was like asking the questions about baseball and asking him how much he's interested in football, and he seemed aloof. And then when the general managers and the team's coaches got their hands on him during the combine and things, you know, those were the questions that were being fired over at Kyler Murray just to make sure. Now, he was still taken at the top of the draft, but it still to this day is a question we don't have a firm answer to. Does he love it? Does he love it as much as Aaron Rodgers Does he love it as much as Tom Brady? Does he love it as much as Peyton Manning? Is he talented? Yeah. Does he have a strong arm? Yeah. Can he read defenses? I don't know. But he can play in the NFL. We know that. Does he know his offensive playbook? I don't know. But he can play in the NFL. We've seen that. But does he love it? That's what DeAndre Hopkins is looking at, and to me, that's the reason why the Cardinals are looking to tank the next season, because I don't even know if they know if they have a quarterback who loves it.
5: Yeah, I, I think this this raised a lot of questions for me. Not just, like, DeAndre, where DeAndre Hopkins is playing next year was, like, maybe third or fourth on my list of questions. <laughs> the first one is everything Rich is saying, just about the situation in Arizona and Kyler Murray, especially. The second one is more so, man, the entire Arizona fan base, you know, and I know it's not maybe as rabid of a fan base as maybe some more traditional sports markets, that East Coast, etc. cetera. But if you're an Arizona Cardinals fan watching this play out, wow, you let them walk for nothing? Hmm. You couldn't even get a seventh round compensatory back of the draft, Like you, you literally just said, all right, dude, go ahead. buy, Just walk. Like you, you couldn't even, like, I know they wanted a first round pick. Obviously they weren't getting that, but there's a lot of other ways to get compensation for a player that is under contract. And I know the contract is a little bit hefty, and I'm looking up some of his grades right now from this season. Of course, he only played in about half the games. That was because of the suspension, not injury. And then he did have some injury issues later on in the year. But I don't want to say his numbers were off the charts. Oh, my goodness, explosive number one wide receiver. Like, you could tell there's a bit of a downtrend with his time in Arizona and his production, yards after the catch, yards per route run, all that you know nerdy stuff we love. But – Really, the bigger question for me here is just what happened for him to just walk away and Arizona to let him walk away, I thought was eye opening to me. And there is something else happening there. Maybe it is behind the scenes with Kyler. Maybe it's behind the scenes with the front office. But that is a really that is a very interesting outcome here, not even to attempt to get any compensation back and just let him walk away. Man, Kyler Murray better be careful too because he's coming back from the injury and he has now one less receiver to help him out and Arizona could say, hey, listen, we got Caleb Williams coming in the draft next year, bud. You just take as much time as you need. Don't worry about it.
3: Yeah, well, that's where I think it's headed (laughs) is this is a big picture move. Yeah, exactly. There is no other way you would let a five-time pro bowler just walk it, it, with anything else in mind. And it traces back to what well, both you guys are saying. Rich, you started it off with, does Kyler Murray love the game? Does he mm. love football? And you've had comment after comment of former teammates saying things that are the opposite of him loving football. This was Patrick Peterson. Remember him on the All Things Covered podcast? Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray. <laughs> like that's, that's pretty damning right there. And then there was Kelvin Beachum, who is still with the Arizona Cardinals. He was on Arizona Sports Burns and Gambo. This one's a little longer,
5: but check this out. He has the ability to lead. It's just when you're in that position, we need you to lead more. Like, you're the face of the franchise. You got to lead more. You got to lead in every single capacity of leadership. Um, And that's what they look for out of a franchise quarterback. They've given you, you know, half a billion. Like
2: New coaching
1: staff may be able to push him in a different way than the old coaching staff did.
2: We'll see. We'll see. Kyle is his own individual. He's his own person.
1: He beats his own drum, which has made him what he is today. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to
5: lead an entire organization.
1: Yeah, that doesn't
3: sound like he's uh, Mr. Leadership right there. And then with DeAndre Hopkins saying, I need a quarterback who loves the game. There's just way too much smoke for there to be no fire. There was once a clause in Kyler Murray's new contract about him studying enough. So the guy clearly is not preparing the way other top quarterbacks are, and that's an issue. And that's why I see Arizona letting DeAndre Hopkins go – because they are trying to position themselves to be at the top of the draft, and if it means drafting Caleb Williams, well, then so be it, because that seems to be a better spot than where they currently are.
4: Yeah, there's nothing worse, guys, than when you're on the football field. There's nothing worse than when you're on the football field and your quarterback doesn't know what to do. Hmm. I I mean, I hate hate to, like, paint it on one guy and say, like, well, geez, like, you know, you really – that, that needs to get done or nothing else can happen. But the truth is, that's that's the truth. And we all know it. Look, I mean, like we just talked about it. Kelvin yeah, Benjamin said a half a billion dollars. When you give somebody that kind of money, when you give somebody hundreds of millions of dollars over the course of their career, and that's now the industry standard, if you are... A top twenty quarterback, you're getting tens of millions of dollars. If you're a top ten quarterback, you're getting hundreds of millions of dollars over the course of your career. Like that's the reality of this sport now. If you have a guy who's turning the wrong way on you know, opening up to the wrong side on handoffs, you know, if you have a guy (laughs) who's dropping back and not throwing the correct route against the defense he's seeing if you have a guy who's not understanding what the pass protection is picking up versus what he's hot off of, meaning when you only have so many blockers and they're bringing a blitz with seven and you only have six people who can block for you, it means if they do bring that seventh guy, you got to know who to throw it to. When you have a quarterback who can't do that, you you can't play. You can't play the sport. I mean, there there were times where I – and I'm not going to out anybody – where it was very clear a guy was going to get cut because he wasn't prepared. The easiest position, the easiest position to get sniffed out when you're not prepared is the quarterback. There is no hiding. All eyes are on you. If you don't know exactly what you need to do on every single play, they'll find you immediately. Everybody knows. And so, yeah, I mean, those guys who have actually shared a locker room. Um, Even the defenders, like you heard from Patrick Peterson. Mm. You know, I mean, if if somebody's screwing something up on the offense and the play gets all messed up, yeah, it's typically like, you know, a little bit of, I wonder what happened over there. But when it's the quarterback, everybody in the building knows. And so I don't know if that's still happening with Kyler Murray. I don't know what kind of preparation he's putting into it. But I know there was issues when he first got there. And the fact that you still have players talking about whether or not he loves the game. This team is looking for something new at that position.
5: You know what the funny thing is, guys? I think after this smoke dies down a little bit, this might be the most relevant story about the Arizona Cardinals all year. <laughs> yeah. like like I ju- it, it just It feels like we're trending towards that kind of a season for them. Where the most exciting thing that will happen to them this year will be... <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins walking out, and that's the most talked about Arizona Cardinals story of the year. I, I guess maybe when Kyler comes back from the injury, right, it looks like he's you know he's going to start the year rehabbing from the knee, and it'll probably be Colt McCoy or if they bring in someone else, who knows? But it, so the beginning of Arizona season is going to be mired by backup quarterbacks, and then maybe when Kyler comes back later in the year, we'll get more buzz. But I, I do think shifting the focus to where DeAndre plays next is interesting. I, I don't think. He's he's a game changer individually. I, I think he needs to be in a system that again the love of the game fuels a little bit of that fire. Again, this will be now I think his third team in five years, four years. Yeah, he spent three years in Arizona, so I I, I think that was a midseason trade too, or it, I forget if I forget how he got to Arizona if it was a midseason trade or if it was off season. But so now it'll be his third team in his career. There's some interesting candidates out there, right? I I saw Mina Kimes tweet out a list yesterday. Detroit, New England, Carolina, Dallas, Atlanta, Indy. Buffalo, Kansas City, Giants, cap trouble there. I I don't know what you guys think of those teams. Detroit, to me, was really interesting. I think you plop them on the Lions today, and man, oh man, that offense looks really, really dangerous. But the quarterback situation there might not be to his liking Carolina rookie quarterback Dallas Dak Prescott eh, Atlanta eh, quarterback Indy eh, quarterback Buffalo Kansas City Giants I think much better offensive situations any thoughts on that list and, and where he goes from here
3: well, that's the thing is, where does he land? I think his wish list is exactly that. It's yeah. a wish list because he was on yeah. the I Am Athlete podcast, and he said, ah, you know, uh, how about the uh, Bills? Josh Allen, they don't have cap space. How right. about uh, the Eagles? Jalen Hurts, they don't have cap space. No. Chiefs, Ravens, Baltimore, too, I know, was talking
5: yeah. to his agent before the draft, right?
3: Yeah, but that I was that. probably before the OBJ. You can't have everybody. Yeah. You can't no. have everyone over there. And so How the about teams my Jets? Cap
5: space, your Jets? No, that's probably not.
3: Good. How about? No.
4: Uh, how about, I, think the uh, yeah, I don't think they really need them,
5: but man, oh man, there's there's there, there, someone is going to get a really good uh, a really good wide receiver though. Well, Whoa. that's the
3: thing is it's got to fit because yeah. there are some cap gymnastics that you can do, but there's only so much. Like the Browns, the Browns have been talked about. They only have
4: seven million dollars in cap space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, they're down the list. How about how about the Panthers though? Like with a. Uh, a brand new quarterback, and maybe DeAndre Hopkins is mm. p- tired of playing with young quarterbacks. But I don't know Frank Reich. If if he gets on the phone, he's a pretty convincing guy, uh, intelligent football coach. And you know, if he if what I would do if I was courting DeAndre Hopkins as a as a free agent, and I was the the front office in Carolina and really wanted him. I would send I would send them highlights of Bryce Young connecting with receivers down the field. Yeah, know, there man. you go. <laughs> like, yeah, I'd be like, Hey, listen, like we're planning on doing a lot of this in Carolina this year. Like basically
5: Bryce Young's highlight reel from Alabama. <laughs> exactly. Just, send, just, just just send or or just have Nick Saban show up at the Carolina facility. That would be yeah. funny. But that's the thing is, if
3: they could convince him, think about that, how it all works together, where you think of Carolina, they had the blockbuster trade, including wide receiver DJ Moore, but because Bryce Young is on his rookie deal... Then you go back and you get a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. That would yeah. be huge for Carolina. I don't know why he would go there, but that would be a grand slam for that's Carolina. That's a net
5: positive, right? You, you get, oh. I mean, DJ Moore for DeAndre Hopkins, I yes. think that's a pretty net positive,
4: right? And Absolutely. He would be... An absolute star in Carolina. Like, there would be be no – I mean, if they have any sort of success and he has any sort of numbers in Carolina, I mean, he would be given so much of that credit. And Bryce Young seems like a guy who's about his teammates. And I don't know, yeah. after being in Arizona for a little bit, yeah, wouldn't it yeah. be nice to be with a quarterback who's going to give it up and, and give all the, the, the praise and the uh, the accolades to his teammates? You know, the one thing that kind of came through, just those two brief clips that we played um, about former teammates or teammates talking about, about Kyler Murray is there's some level of selfishness there. Oh, and, you, I mean, like, if you're a wide receiver – you you that's got to drive you crazy if that's your thought process on you the quarterback who you're playing with is geez you know normally these guys are some of the most selfless guys on the field um you know it's not a kyler murray bash fest over here i mean but but this to me that was a stunning admission on his way out is that he wants a quarterback who loves the game. That's the criteria. That's all I'm looking for. Aren't I the just... receivers
5: supposed to be the the divas, I was right? you stole my <laughs> thought. It's like, the wide receiver is like, we're supposed to be the same. Pay <laughs> veto, same. Pay. I'll be honest. If he if he ended up in Detroit, I I already like this Lions team a lot. They might be one of my over bet, one of the first over bets I make in the win total market this year. But man. Imagine you get Jamison Williams back from injury. You draft Jameer Gibbs, well, obviously, and, and gambling suspension
3: Brown. too. Don't forget about that's that. That's true, oh,
5: and right. you have that's true, and you have the gambling suspension. But man, oh man, you've got that is an offense with the coordinator coming back and Ben Johnson, and obviously Jared Goff that offense ready to roll, you get Hopkins in the mix in the
3: Motor City there, baby. No doubt. Hey, we're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. We are off and running. Rich Ornberger is back. He was out last week. He's back with a vengeance and a tight black T-shirt I'm I'm picturing (laughs) over there. Correct. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We got Jared Smith, FSR betting analyst. I'm Brian No, Coming up next, this would be legacy altering stuff. It's Fox Sports Saturday right here on Fox Sports Radio.
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app search FSR to listen live two NBA insiders podcasting twice a week to plug you right into the NBA grapevine
2: all happening in only one place this league uncut the new
3: NBA podcast with me Chris Haynes and me, Mark Stein. Join
2: us as we team up to expound on everything we're covering, hearing, and chasing.
5: Listen
0: to This League Uncut with Chris Haynes and Mark Stein
5: on the iHeartRadio app,
3: Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables.
1: If you dare. Welcome
3: back in. It's Fox Sports Saturday live from the TireRack.com studios. We're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Yeah, I don't know who sings this song. I forget Ramos is playing it. Like the woo-hoo. the blur? Is, is that the blur? It? But uh, they had the lyrics on some show. They're like, what do they say at the beginning? And I no listen, idea. I'm like, I have no idea. And he says, "It's either I or you have got your head shaved like a jumbo jet." But he's like like a jumbo jet. Ch- like the jumbo
5: like the kombucha stuff that you drink, right? I don't know. Yeah. Some of there these you lyrics. Go. You actually read the lyrics, you're like, wow, I've been saying it wrong for the whole <laughs> <That's>,
1: <laughs> Forever. <laughs> I got the
3: woohoo hoo part down, cold yeah, right. though, man. I got that down. Now, this, guys, this would be legacy-altering stuff, is if the Boston Celtics no can come back from a 3-0 deficit, be the first NBA team ever to do that. They've got the next step in the journey over here, game six tonight against the Miami Heat. Think of if they take it a step further – If they win a title in the same year after coming back from a 3-0 deficit, that would absolutely be legendary type stuff, especially for that franchise and the history that they have. But even if they don't win a title, they'd still be known as the only team. They'd kind of be the UMBC of uh, of, uh, the NBA in a way. Now, if you think of the flip side of it, if the Heat, If they're the only team that gives up a 3-0 series lead (laughs) in NBA history, that is legacy-altering stuff as well. I don't think we're going to look at Jimmy Butler and be like, ah, this freaking guy. But that's going to be something that we always, always trace back to whenever, like 5, 10, 15 years from now, anytime there's a 3-0 series lead, we're going to say, well, the Celtics came back. Well, the Heat (laughs) gave it up. That is huge stuff that we're seeing
4: here potentially unfold. Well, I mean, think about how divergent those two futures will be for either squad. You know what I mean? Like if if the Celtics do beat the Heat, we'll start on the Celtics side. That will save Joe Missoula's job. That will, that will keep their head coach in his chair, most likely. Um, almost, you know, it, doesn't, it almost doesn't matter what happens in the finals. Because I think the Nuggets are such an overwhelming team this year. Um, unless the Celtics can make a series of it. But, you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But if, if they win, if they come back 3-0 and they win the Eastern Conference Finals... Yeah, I think Missoula saves his job. Now, then you look on the other side of it. Jimmy, everybody loves him. Um, I love him. I think he's a phenomenal player. He's a great story. But you know how star players get when all of a sudden the the culture stops working for them or stops working, period. If the Heat lose after having a 3-0 run in the Eastern Conference Finals, um, and you're the star of that team, and everybody's asking, "What's wrong with you? Like, why didn't you get it done? You and K Love and the gang over there. What's wrong with you?" That's when the finger pointing starts happening toward the front office. And if he's still there next season, or and they get out to a slow start, I could see a situation where this is a is a huge is a huge problem for Eric Spolstra moving forward. So I really think this comes down to. Whoever, I, I mean, the Heat probably will win this series. I mean, let's let's get that straight. I mean, most likely. Now, the Celtics absolutely took them apart on their home floor, but it did also feel like the Heat kind of packed it in in the second half. There were moments. There's no doubt it got a little close toward then. There, it's just it. It was the Celtics game from the opening tip off. But if this goes sideways for the Heat, really sideways, this could be this could be one of those turning points in a franchise where they want to go in a completely different direction soon because um, because because star players aren't just going to accept blame. They're not just going to walk away from a loss like that and say, yeah, and you know what, as it turns out, it was all on me. See you next year. That's not how that happens. Mm.
5: Yeah, I, I think the way this series is playing out, first of all, the one thing we have to frame our minds to remember, and I think w- – Maybe we've lost touch with this a little bit because it's, it feels like it's been like six months since this has happened. The Heat were an eight seed and they were almost bounced in the playing round. From the, they they yeah. lost their first playing game and then they were down late to the Bulls and almost got bounced from the playoffs completely before even making it into this the second tier of the playoffs. And then of course, from that point on, they went on this insane run. The Bucks were I don't know what was going on there. They were just outclassed the Knicks and now they've they're in a series. And and let's be honest, I think going into the series, we all expected this to be a nip and tuck. I know the odds were saying Boston was gonna run away with things, but the odds have been poo-pooing the heat the all playoffs. I think we expected it to be a tight series. I don't think anyone expected it to be 3-0. But also at the end of the day, basketball over the course of a seven game series and then another seven game series and now we're in the third seven game series, water tends to find its level. The Heat were an eight seed that struggled to make the five hundred mark most of the year, and they were up and down and and almost got knocked in out in the playing round. And now they're kind of showing us who, I don't want to say they really are, but the Celtics were one of the best teams in the NBA all season. They got star power top to bottom. They were supposed to win this series. I think they're going to win this series. And I don't want to say that it's the biggest collapse ever because we've seen another team from Boston do this very recently against a much more prestigious franchise. Um, I guess not very recently, but 10, 15 years ago, whenever the Red Sox did. 2004, yeah. yeah, 19 years ago. So, and what happened the following round? Well, they just – I think they swept the Rockies in the World Series that year. So, I, I, I think this is I, I think this is a little more <laughs> – That's right. Con- <laughs>
4: My card, I think this Dolphins. is a
5: little more consistent <laughs> to what these teams are. And I wouldn't be that surprised – like, it's not that shocking to me that Boston might win four in a row. Because they've been good all year, and the Heat have been an eight seed all year.
3: Yeah, it was uh... – <laughs> it was ridiculous because my Cardinals got swept by the Red yeah. Sox. And oh, it was, yeah. I'll never forget, Edgar Renteria was the shortstop. He made the final out, and he was number three. And they're like, it's oh. just like Babe Ruth, number i I'm like, "Get yeah, my goodness, oh. what, this is a <laughs> tidal wave of Boston Red Sox stuff. I mean, it was unbelievable. Where they won eight straight. It's crazy. Yeah. Craziness. But uh, we got a major case of role reversal on our hands here. We will dive into that. But first you want to talk about diving into something, we are going to dive into the cool brisk waters yes. of Isaac Lowencron over here. Ilo, what's going on, bud?
6: Ah, yeah. So refreshing on this Saturday morning. Unless you're a fan of the Oakland A's, which we'll get to momentarily <laughs> because in Major League Baseball on Friday night, the Boston Red Sox broke a four-game losing streak with a 7-2 victory at Arizona. The Pittsburgh Pirates hit seven home runs in an 11-6 win at Seattle. The Marlins' Jorge Soler homered for a fourth straight game in their victory over the Angels in Anaheim 6 to 2. Now, the Houston Astros won at Oakland 5 to 2. That makes the A's 10 and 43. That is the most losses through 53 games for any major league team since 1900. Also on Friday, the Dodgers and Tampa Bay Rays got together for the first time since the 2020 World Series in the bubble. Tampa Bay beat the Dodgers 9-3. to The Rays now a Major League Best 38-15. and The Texas Rangers won at Baltimore 12-2 thanks to an 8-run fourth inning including a Corey Seager Grand Slam. The Rangers have the third best record of the Majors at 32-18. Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis Jr. both homered into the second decade at Yankee Stadium in the Padres' 5-1 win over the Yankees, Soto's was a 432-footer. Tatis's home run clocked in at 439 feet. Mets won at Colorado 5-2. Max Scherzer the win. He struck out eight in seven innings with no walks. Francisco Lindor a home run and four RBI. Phillies won at Atlanta 6-4. As Craig Kimbrel became the eighth pitcher in Major League history to to record 400 saves. In the NBA tonight, 8:30 Eastern, Game Six of the Eastern Conference Final from Miami, with the Heat leading the Boston Celtics three games to two. Finally, Fox Sports Radio's Isaac Lowencron <laughs> has issued a formal apology to friend and colleague Rich Ornberger mm. for his callous and thoughtless behavior on Twitter a couple of weeks ago that escalated to the point where Lowencron blocked the Ornberger what? on Twitter. air what's, yeah, what's going on here?
4: Okay, that's why we uh, we haven't spoken yet because um, I will not speak to this man. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Bad luck brewing behind the scenes here that uh, we're not no, we're, Not we're behind the scenes tea. anymore.
6: Some
4: tea. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Now the tea's been spilled. Thanks, Ilo. First time <laughs> <laughs> I've spoken to him in weeks. Actually. Actually, um,
6: you know what? Now that I think of it, do you want to just b- explain how all this happened? Yes. All right. Um,
4: well, it was just, uh, it was honestly, um, uh, a mistake. Uh, I realized that, uh, maybe an oversight, maybe something that, um, that Isaac wanted to come to terms with. Um, we found out on the national show on Sunday recently that all of us were following ILO and ILO was following uh-huh. none of us. No- wow. I on don't Twitter. follow
6: ILO either. I didn't even know you were on Twitter there, bud. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not offended by that at all. Unless, no. unlike some people around
4: here. Well, well, I'm just saying. Like you know, if we're not social media <laughs> friends, are we friends at all? If it isn't <laughs> a good point, actually. I mean, if, if if we if we aren't Twitter official, Ilo. Uh, so, so
3: how did this escalate to a
4: block? Well, we were talking about it on air, and oh, Ilo. See- I, I see it now. I'm Ilo hears everything now. we say at all times. He's always monitoring discussions on Fox this Sports Radio. This is hilarious. Radio. And uh, he. <laughs> He heard the conversation, was found it upsetting, and immediately blocked all the people involved. <laughs>
5: <laughs> that sounds a lot like what social media is these days. Either you agree with me, or I'm going to block you so I don't have to, to see the opposition's I'd like,
6: argument. I'd, I'd like to make a final last-ditch attempt at detente here with Rich. Sure. And sure. just agree to move on with Rich, and instead... Blame it all on Steve Hartman, because, frankly, Steve Hartman yeah. is the one who, who started this with his jealous complaining that I wasn't following him on Twitter, and what I actually did was I blocked Rich and Monsey and Jason Stewart. <laughs> Uh, it temporarily. The whole network. <laughs> I, took, I took a screenshot that I had blocked them and then I unblocked them. So Rich, Monty, and Jason are all presently unblocked. Isaac, do you want me to follow
5: you, bud? Do you want to have this conversation? I'm I'm it's, all about open and honest Discord oh, no, in, my, yeah, in this com- current generation.
4: It's of completely,
6: my life. completely up to uh, you. Do you tweet
4: you. anything worthy of me following you? Absolutely. How I you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, he's a great follow, and I've been following him for years. And I just know that he... Doesn't well, you only follow just, 67 people, like,
5: so obviously this is, a, this is a thing for you.
6: Yeah. You Go know ahead. what, Rich? Rich. Go ahead. Check your notifications. You just got a new follower. Oh, oh, oh I'm
5: following God. you too, God. Isaac. And oh, you know what? You can do with that whatever you will, bud. <laughs> I didn't even know you were
4: on Twitter. I'm going to be honest with you. This is the proudest day of my life. This is the proudest day of my life. <laughs> oh, Isaac's following count just went up from sixty-seven to sixty-eight. Breaking so, uh, news
3: across is, the Fox if Sports this radio. The test. high point for you, Rich, is the the mayo and the coffee. The low
1: point.
4: Oh, I, it's actually amazing you you mentioned that. The highest and lowest point in my life have occurred on this Saturday show that we've been doing for a year. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> it's you know yeah. I mean yeah, birth the children. Uh, you know, obviously <laughs> getting cut, but getting married, teens, right? Yeah. Miguel, I mean, yeah. I've had my my ups and downs, my peaks and valleys, but the fact that it is all relegated to these three hours we spend together, I probably need to talk to somebody. Yeah. Not Isaac though. Yeah, well (laughs) now now I can now I can direct message him guys. Yeah. I mean this is fantastic. (laughs)
3: Hey at the end of your first year direct uh, Discover credit cards automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you earned doubled. Seriously see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash All right, we've got Rich Ornberger, Penn State All-American. We've got Jared Smith, FSR betting analyst. I'm Brian No. Coming up next, we get to the major case of role reversal and a highly questionable top five, both on the way. It is Fox Sports Saturday right here on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back in. It's Fox Sports Saturday live from the TireRack.com studios. Okay, before a highly questionable top five list we got a major case of role reversal over here. What's why I find so interesting about this Celtics Heat series is Miami was a huge underdog before the series began. And then all of a sudden they won three straight games. And Miami became a huge favorite. Boston assumed control, uh, without wanting to, uh, of the underdog role. And it's a different dynamic when you are the underdog. Why do you think all these teams try to become the underdog, even times when they're not? Because it's more comfortable. You're, you're playing more freely. You're not expected to win. You don't have the pressure of you're supposed to do it. And so you've seen Boston the last couple of games as a huge underdog, assume control, more control of the series, We're at least winning a couple of games, getting right back into it, They're a favorite on the road. Should they win Game 6, they'd be a huge favorite in Game 7. But they are still that underdog that has had momentum. So we're going to see. It's pretty even level right now heading into Game 6. But Miami was not used to the favorite role. The only thing that would shift that is a Game 7. Miami would be a huge underdog. But I think one of the little layers involved in this series is that Miami is way more comfortable when they're totally counted out. But when they are supposed to just finish the deal, they have not been as comfortable these last two games.
4: And what's crazy is what this reminds me of the most is when you open up those, um, those magazines, when you're checking out groceries, and it's who wore it better. Yeah. You know, when it comes to, like, the underdog outfit, Boston as a city just wears it better. I mean Miami is a front-running city my friends. I mean South Beach has a lot over the rest of the world let alone the rest of the country. And if you look at the the culture and really the the uh the mindset of a lot of Boston teams over the past 20 years, the Red Sox of the 2000s, they were they were underdogs and that was the story until they weren't and then you know they they actually kind of you know moved on from becoming this lovable cast of characters to becoming quite quite hateable actually um, you know, the Patriots. Now, I know that the Patriots became everybody's, you know, uh, a villain and rival. But the Patriots, the, the hallmark of their run was Bill Belichick creating this us against the world mentality for the entire time Tom Brady was there. And his buy-in was so great. And he was so great that the Patriots were so great. Because even though they're at the top, they played like they had a chip on their shoulder the whole time. Um, the Celtics... They wear the underdog better than the Heat do. It just looks better on them. They went back home facing elimination and absolutely destroyed Miami. And it was in front of a crowd that wasn't upset at Boston for being down 3-1. It was in front of a crowd that was thrilled that they were able to cheer on an underdog to an absolute depancing on their home floor. So if there's a team that's going to have more momentum – uh, heading into game six of this series, without a doubt in my mind, especially with this series if with a win returning home to Boston, it is the Celtics, hands down.
5: Yeah, I, I agree. and <clears throat> Brian, I love how you framed it. Like the, the underdog role, Miami, when all of a sudden they were the favorite in the series, they were up 3-0, dominated Boston in game three. Right. I mean, that was just evisceration. And then all of a sudden, they win that game four. And it was a tight game, right? It was a tight game a little bit to the end. It was back and forth. And then Boston kind of pulled away a, a little bit at the end. But it, it was a pretty tight game throughout. There were moments in that game I remember texting m- one of my close friends who was betting Boston in that game. And we're New York guys, so when they were struggling at the beginning of the game, it was like, ah, Boston, ah, screw them. Um, <laughs> and, and then they showed you that fight. You know, they They showed you that fight at the end. And then they carried it over into game five. And, and I'll be honest, guys, once they won game five, the entire balance of the series then really started to shift. Like right now, the gambling odds are saying the Heat are a slight favorite in the series, minus 130, minus 140. That's saying about 55, 60 the, percent. The Celtics maybe in the 45, 40 percent range. So it's not a true coin flip. Miami still technically is the favorite in the series. But let's be honest. Boston is the favorite in today's game. And if Boston wins this game today, oh well, gosh. they're going to win the series. So if you are, we can get into this later during the gambling talk. If you are going to bet this game tonight, I would just bet Boston to win the series at plus money. Mm. Much better, smarter wager, I think, in the long haul. But to me, when you just look at what Boston is at their core, they're the better team. And over the long haul of a seven-game series, water tends to find its level. Now, it doesn't always go 3-0 and then 4-0 in one direction. That is an incredibly violent storm. But Boston is far superior talent-wise. Maybe Miami's got the coaching edge. Maybe Miami's got a little bit of the momentum because they're a little bit more buttoned up with some of the little things that they do. But now momentum is squarely in Boston's court. And... I just don't know if Miami has the horses to take it back. Gabe Vincent's out. He's been a key cock for them in the series. Jimmy Butler's not your true scorer in that mm-hmm. true sense of the term. I know he scores a lot of points and he has in this postseason, but he's not the type of scorer that Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown are. So I don't know where it's going to come from. It's not coming from Kevin Love, that's for sure. I, I, I'm curious what Miami does tonight. Does Eric Spolstra have one last ace up his sleeve? I I, I don't know if that's – I think that's the only way Miami wins this game and wins the series is if Spolstra pushes a button tonight and somebody gets hot and it just – it works. And maybe that happens, but I I don't know if it's going to.
3: Yeah, not all 3-0 series leads are created the same way. I think sometimes history can get in your way because the simple thing is to say, well, teams with 3-0 series leads, they're fifty and 0 – In NBA history, they always close the deal. It's like, well, look at Miami. They're an eight seed. They had to play their way in. They've got seven undrafted guys. Gabe Vincent just got hurt, like you mentioned, Jared. And the Celtics are one of the best teams in the league. Like, I I think it's deeper than just it's never happened before. Therefore, it's probably not going to happen again. I, I think it goes deeper than that. Let me throw this at you guys. So Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes. He did an interview with Complex, and he revealed his personal list of his top five quarterbacks of all time. Okay, you ready for this? Oh, boy. He went Tom Brady number one. Good choice. Number two, Peyton Manning. Three, Aaron Rodgers. Four, Joe Montana. And then five, either Dan Marino or John Elway. He didn't pull the trigger on number five. Here's the thing that I would say. If you have Peyton Manning or Aaron Rodgers over Joe Montana... Your list sucks. I, that's all I can say. You got one of the clutchest quarterbacks in the history of the game in Joe Montana, and all this Super Bowl success and all that, over guys that have wet themselves numerous times. Oh boy, on the biggest of
4: stages. It, yeah, Marino. Elway, you're you're out of my top five because Mahomes is in my top five first. Ooh, I like that.
6: Yeah, um,
4: uh, but but I do agree with you. I I actually have the same exact list as Mahomes, except he's in it. So I would scramble. Yeah, you can't put yourself in your top five list.
5: Right? <laughs> it's, it's
4: bad form. He should have.
3: We're gonna, he back. We're gonna he back to your list there, Ornberger. All right, coming up next, we got rule <laughs> changes and potential rule changes
0: galore.
2: now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: Oh man, rules are changing all over the freaking place. What do you like? What do you dislike? That is on the way. We are broadcasting live from the tirerack.com studios. TireRack.com. We'll help get you there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. All right, fellas, we've got NFL rule changes. we got potential NBA rule changes. So here's a simple thing. I'll introduce it. I want a simple thumbs up or thumbs down over here. Okay, how about kickoffs spotted at the 25-yard line? If you fair catch it on the kickoff, You get it at the 25. The NFL says it's a safety measure. Instead of getting it at the 20, there's another incentive. You get it at the 25. So don't return it. No return over here. Cuts down on concussions and major collisions. So um, do you like this? I'm going thumbs down. I love the kickoff. And we're only talking about a documented 19 concussions Last year, when you're dealing in percentages, concussions on kickoffs are up 60%. There were 19 documented concussions in over 2,700 kickoffs. I I
4: want the kickoff to remain. I don't like this. Thumbs down. I agree it's a thumbs down for me because I think they've already defanged the kickoff enough, <laughs> um, and I don't think this actually addresses the major problem. So I love how they give you those statistics, but they don't talk about how many um, concussions happen during uh, during the rest of the game. Yeah. Like they they're just spotlighting that area saying, "Well, this is a very dangerous play." Historically, the kickoff was a very dangerous play and then they took away the three-man wedge on kick return and the wedge buster on yeah. kickoff. Uh, they, they obviously changed the rules to um, give more of a uh, offensive edge to the receiving team to take a knee instead of taking it out, you know, getting the ball at the 25. Like, there have been – I mean, even the fair catch rule in the first place, like, like the touchback rule, all of those rules weren't in place at first, and slowly but surely the kickoff has become safer. Look, this is a league that just – you know, created a situation where they're, they're flexing Thursday night football games surprise a month later, you may have a Thursday nighter, um, and to show that they still really care about player health. They made it. So the kickoff is safer. Good job league. This was just a PR move. Thumbs down.
5: Yeah. Major thumbs down. Two thumbs down. What, Siskel and Ebert, right? I don't know if you can, do <laughs> yeah, that's the whole, right. <laughs> the, uh, the movie critic vibe here, but the, uh, the XFL got it right with the kickoffs. They line them up in – I don't know if you guys have seen the XFL kickoff rules. Yeah. I, I i forget which yard line they line them up at, but it's basically the kickoff team is almost already in the opponent territory, and then the kick return team, you line up – I think it's 10 yards apart. It's only five. Five yards apart. Yeah. Thank you very much for – yeah. Again, and what that does, twofold, A – the violence of the collisions are less when you're only five yards apart, obviously, when you're in full sprint. Two, it allows you to actually kind of run a play as the kickoff return team. You can kind of move certain blockers, right? It's almost like you've got a, a, an extended offensive line, mm-hmm. and you could pull, and you could this, and you could run. I saw some very creative stuff in the XFL this year with the kickoff returns, and I don't know why the, the NFL doesn't adopt that. It, to me, that is a slam dunk You satisfy, A, it's an exciting play again, B, the violence of the collisions. So major thumbs down on on what the NFL ended up deciding.
3: I'm with you. I think that's where it's headed. Either the NFL does away with the kickoff altogether, or it's going to be the XFL version. That's where I see it headed. How about flex scheduling? A lot made over flex scheduling where we have it on Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night. And I, I, I just don't understand all the negativity toward it where it's like, oh, my gosh, you're going to ask these players. And what if I'm traveling to the game? And you got to prioritize your TV audience. And as a fan, you're not playing on Thursday night. You don't have a quick turnaround. I, I, I'm watching at home. I want the best matchup possible. So I don't understand why this is such a negative thing. I think this is a
4: win. Thumbs up i agree i 100 percent agree with everything he said i'm no longer a player so this doesn't affect me as a former player uh this has very little effect on me as, as a fan of the game it has a great effect on me because i'm not going to a thursday night football game i mean i haven't been to one since i finished playing i am wow. a tv viewer I, I mean for the majority of the games that i'm watching i'm a tv viewer and like many people, including Al Michaels, they should just call this the Al Michaels rule. It, that's exactly what I was going to say. The play-by-play voice on uh, on Thursday Night Football for Amazon uh, who would complain during the broadcast about the teams <laughs> that were playing on Thursday Night Football. Um, I, I think this is a great move. This makes the rest of the country enjoy your product better. You know. So, yeah, it is going to affect... Probably some fraction of the... I don't know, 70,000 in attendance, depending on what stadium this is, this game is going to be played at some fraction. Like there, there's probably going to be a lot, lot more smiles than, than frowns out there because there may be a lot of people in that market who haven't had an opportunity to see their team in primetime because maybe the team that gets the primetime boost was a team that wasn't expected to be very good this season. And all of a sudden they are, and all of a sudden they get to play on a Thursday night and all of a sudden you get to go and take your kids to Thursday night football. Boom. I, I think you're going to see a lot more people happy with this change than not happy with this change. Yeah. I, I, if, I'm, uh, if, I'm, if I'm Siskel and Ebert, this is the two thumbs way, way up from oh. me.
5: Yeah, I don't know if I'm like way, way up, but I definitely think it is a net positive. Because let's talk about it big picture. This is going to affect like five games the whole year. It's only the end of the year. It's a very small window. You're given a four-week notice. You don't even get four weeks when you get fired from your job. Like, so I just, I, I think this is a very, you get plenty of time, people making travel plans. You get a whole month to change your travel plans. And I know it's not ideal, but we're going, the, the end result is we're going to get a better product. Yeah. So I, I think that is a very positive change, the better product. There are probably going to be some players that are a little bit miffed at the time that it happens. Like the day they get the news, hey, your game just got moved up four days. But it feels like, eh, all right, you know, kind of like when you're stuck in traffic. Like, yeah, it sucks, but I'll get over it. I'll be fine. These guys are professional athletes. They train for this. They're prepared for this. They deal with plenty of other things that the, the, the game of football and the the preparation, right, rich? constant fluctuation. Oh, we have to change pivot to this immediately because this is changed. These guys are used to this i don't think it's going to be as big of. It. it feels like the baseball rules this year. Everyone was making a big deal out of it, yeah. and then the season started and they 're like, oh wow, this actually isn't so bad.
3: I like how you frame that, yeah, and Thursday Night football, just so everybody's on the same page, like Jared said it's just a sliver of the season it's just yeah. weeks thirteen through seventeen. Sunday night football, that flex scheduling, that's from weeks five through right. 17. So yeah. you have a lot more flexibility over there on Sunday night. How about this? The uh, emergency third quarterback. This is the San Francisco 49er rule right there. where They, <laughs> the they ran Brady out rule. of actual quarterbacks of <laughs> the NFC title game against the Eagles and Christian McCaffrey was behind center. So this is You have an emergency third quarterback. It doesn't count against your active roster. You don't have to set aside an extra roster spot for this emergency third quarterback. But in case of an emergency where you got to break the glass, your first two QBs went down, you will actually have a quarterback playing QB. This is no doubt. This is a no-brainer. Complete thumbs up across the board on this one.
4: Yeah, I mean, if we're gonna keep on the uh, the uh, theme of movie critics here, I'll do the John Levitt's critic that that uh, Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles Forty ers game. It stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Tremendous that was, callback,
5: Rich. Love that that show. was
4: a terrible watch uh, I mean when when you have a, uh, a noodle arm quarterback coming back in the game sacrificing his health to finish out a game because there's no better options to put yeah. under center like you know potentially getting another star player hurt on your roster who doesn't know how to play quarterback as opposed to having a third emergency quarterback I think this rule change was needed um, I think it's going to make for better storylines let's think about it guys Brock Purdy was a third string quarterback he is a competent NFL starter he's proven that Dak Prescott was once a third string quarterback he is now a 40 million dollar man in this league Joe Flacco if we want to go back was a third string quarterback Tom Brady was a third string quarterback the depth chart on the quarterback chart especially has proven to net hall of famers at times so Right. I don't know. It's um, it, it's a good rule. I, I think it should have been instituted sooner. I don't know why it wasn't. I don't think anybody would have many complaints about it. Uh, uh, I'm a huge fan of this. Two thumbs way up.
5: It's common sense. This isn't even yeah. a rule change. Like This is literally common sense. It's like when Buster Posey got his leg snapped because guys were trucking people at home plate, and the next year they're like, you know what? We're going to try to take this out of the game because it's, it's, it just doesn't make sense, right? It just, it's common sense. Like we, we've evolved past this point of, of sports where we're just going to let these catchers just get hung out the dry at home plate. Well, I think the same thing could be said about the quarterbacks. Like We're just not going to let these guys get hung out the dry anymore, and if there's an issue, we're not going to make our third-string quarterback, a.k.a. the punter. Like When I was a Jets fan growing up, it was Tom Tupa. Remember that name? Oh, yeah. Emergency situation. Let's send the punter in to play quarterback for for Bill Parcells' Jets. Just a completely different vibe in today's game. You have to have someone playing that position with a shred of competence or else the game's over. You might as well just stop the game right there and move on because you're not going to move the football in today's day and age with a running back or a punter or the guy, the hot dog stand guy, coming in to play quarterback for you.
3: I was a big Reggie
5: Roby fan. There you go. my my Dolphins over there and his wristwatch, you know? I used to have a Tom Tupa, like, screen. I, my screen name growing up used to be Tupa. Tupa 19. <laughs> That's how much I love that guy. <laughs> I mean, how often was the punter, the, like, the third-string quarterback? Like, he was, like, everything for them. You're a
3: true fan right there. Yeah, well, a Jets fan. By the way, there. think about this real fast is think about Brock Purdy and Josh Johnson getting hurt in that NFC title game for the 49ers, and now you get this rule change. Think how many— Jobs that's going to open up, <laughs>
5: right? Like, Running for president here, Brian. No, America first jobs.
4: It's
3: just crazy. It's crazy <laughs> what that's led to, and I, it's, a, it's a necessary change. It's, it's a good, good change. for
4: the economy. Yeah,
3: it's yeah. great for the football economy. It hurts, it hurts no one. <laughs> okay, I'll give you a two for one NBA combo platter over it's here. To vote okay? for America, right there. That How about is. these two? So you got a potential rule change where it's two challenges. If you're first. challenge is successful, you get another one. That would potentially start next season. And then also the flop rule. If you get busted flopping, it's a technical foul. It's a free throw. Might get a trial run at the summer league. I'll go rapid fire. First off, the flopping rule, double thumbs up. If you get busted flopping, technical free throw, it's going to cut down on flopping significantly. Love it. As far as the new challenge rule, thumbs down. Thumbs down. Mm. If you get an extra challenge, I'm not going to go kicking and screaming into the night, but what's going to happen? You're going to have that first challenge in the first quarter. You don't have to hold on to it. The strategy is different. I don't like it. I like just the one challenge and keep it moving.
4: Yeah, you nailed it. I I love the flop rule. I think it's one of the worst parts of basketball right now. Get rid of that as soon as you possibly can, because I actually think it's starting to stain legacies. Look at how we view LeBron James. Oh, yeah. I mean, LeBron James is inarguably one of, if not the greatest player to ever play this sport. And an indelible legacy of his career is going to be how he tries so hard to sell fouls. It's annoying to watch, and I'm not even blaming it. It's like, kind of like don't hate the player, hate the game. Well, it, it's nauseating to watch the player do it, but it's a part of the game, so get rid of the flop as soon as possible, and then challenges, I'm with you. Anything that's slowing down sports so we could pay more attention to the guys who are doing an <laughs> awful job wearing long pants and referee shoes, yeah, let's – hard pass, hard pass.
5: Referee shoes, those are not going to be the hot sellers on the Nike shelves, I think, anytime soon. Um, I think I I agree with you guys. I, I don't think I'm as passionate about either of these rules. Like yeah. I I think the flop rule is obviously an issue. I think we're starting to address it. If you want to up the ante a little bit and make it a T, sure, it's one free throw. They do the same thing for a defensive three second. Like I don't think it's gonna prevent it too much from happening, but it will prevent it a little bit more, and that's the end goal. The challenge rule, I, I don't know. I. I I'm I'm a little more neutral on it than you guys because I do think there's still strategy involved. You're not going to waste your challenge on something frivolous in the first quarter because then you lose it and it's gone. It still has to be a winning challenge. So maybe there's a little bit you know more uh, selectiveness. And I, I like things where the coaches have to think. I, I, I do like adding wrinkles to the game that makes the coaches think a little bit more. So I'm curious to see if Either coaches or certain players that, you know, cry for, hey, challenge this, coach. It, you know, if that changes a little bit. But, yeah, in general, I, I agree. I do think it, it does slow the game down a little bit. So maybe I'm a little more neutral on it than you guys.
3: They got to work on that green light, man. You know? The yeah, that's green weird. Light. That's they weird. Finished. It's like someone the just challenge. won the jackpot
5: at the casino on the, yeah, on the slot machine. But the, Very the strange. challenge is over. <laughs>
3: Very strange. They, they've reversed it or confirmed the call. And they're starting to play, and the light is still blinking. They're man. <laughs> play- like the guys man. at the free throw
5: line. But why, got- why, is, is, why need the light? Like, the coach I, challenges I it. Every, the ref acknowledges it. Like, why do we need, like, a flashing light that says <laughs> I don't know why I, that makes no sense? it's still blinking. It it's still going. That's very strange. Decided. I agree. The very, flashing light very, needs to go.
3: Very strange. All right, we've got Rich Orenberger, Penn State All-American, back with us, feels good. Jared Smith, FSR betting analyst. I'm Brian Nell. Coming up next. We got another teammate-on-teammate teammate crime, and Ornberger's top five raises eyebrows. Those are both on the way. It's Fox Sports Saturday right here on Fox Sports Radio. It is Fox Sports Saturday right here on Fox Sports Radio. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios. We're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Okay, Orenberger, I'm going to start with the positive over here. We're circling back to uh, Patrick Mahomes. He unveiled his top five quarterbacks of all time. He goes Brady, number one, followed by Peyton Rogers, Joe Montana, number four, and then either Dan Marino or John Elway, number five. Now, Rich, you said that you've got the same top five, except you put Mahomes in and they're at number five instead of Marino or John Elway. Yeah, that's I'll, correct. I'll start with that. That makes a lot of sense. He's only twenty seven years old, two MVPs, two Super Bowl MVPs, two rings. Like he's been sensational here. So I get that. I wanna go in on this though. Montana with his four rings
4: is fourth? What is that? Ooh. Oh, no, 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 no. Montana gets bumped up my list. Montana, I probably, look, Tom Brady's my number one. Mm -hmm. Um, Montana's my number two. I would then, I would then file in Peyton Manning at number three, Patrick Mahomes actually is my number four, and Aaron Rodgers is my number five. I don't mind that at all. Yeah, that's my list. Give it to me one more time here. Okay, here. so it goes like this. Tom Brady, GOAT, number Brady one. Brady Montana, former GOAT, also awesome, I like also that. clutch number two. Then we go down to um, Peyton Manning. The Sheriff, number three, mm-hmm. uh, ring with two different teams, obviously historically great. Then Patrick Mahomes, still a lot of tread left on the tires so he can move up this list, boys. And then we go number five, Aaron Rodgers.
5: I like Interesting.
4: it. I think that's a really solid
3: top five right there. Yeah, it feels it right.
5: So Marino doesn't make it some of the other guys that was on patty's list don't make it
3: yeah elway no, he El- elway would be the one yeah. El- y- y- you know elway i took Ed, i put elway over
5: rodgers right now yeah, I might, too. I, I I don't know. I mean, maybe the Jets with Rodgers will change my mind in a few months. But <laughs> especially especially bad. Your Well, let's just leave it at this. Can we leave it at this? If Aaron Rodgers takes the Jets to a Super Bowl, he goes to number one on the list. <laughs> <I certainly> like, <laughs> <laughs> if you can break that curse, you are you are touched from God, my friend. Um, I think I agree with Rich's. I mean, yeah, I think you can make a case that maybe you swap Elway and Rodgers, but I it's not like it's not like I'm putting Elway in the top three, right? right. Like I, I think the top two I am locked in on, hundred percent. I, I think that's really where the list starts and ends. And then you can obviously the further down the list you go, you could obviously make little tweaks. Maybe you you put Mahomes in, ahead of Peyton if he wins another Super mm-hmm. Bowl, right? But uh I I, I I don't I can't really gawk at this list too much, Rich. Yeah. I you know I, what's I so like
3: interesting it. to me is that Peyton Manning is bulletproof in ways that other players with similar resumes wouldn't be. Interesting. Where if you look at Peyton Manning, he is outstanding in the regular season. You get no argument from me. He is, I think, the greatest regular season quarterback in NFL history. His numbers back it up. But when you get to the postseason, there's a lot left to be desired. Had the one ring beating the Bears. You know, Daniel Manning, the safety, forgot to cover Reggie Wayne, and he hooked up mm. with them, and you have the Devin Hester return. and Rex Weird game, with too, the right? Pouring Weird rain game. in Miami. Yeah, purple rain, the whole thing. Then you had Von Miller carrying him to his other championship. Yeah. He had the four-interception game against the Patriots. He had a pick six to lose the game against the Saints. He had an overtime interception against the Ravens. Like, if that's another player, if that's an NBA player, Greatest regular season guy has two rings. His team carried him to one of those two. And he is just wetting all over himself postseason after postseason. We would be vilifying that guy. Somehow Peyton Manning escapes all that.
4: Yeah. I, you know, I, I think for me where <clears throat> Peyton Manning ascends this list and, and really cements himself at number three is the fact that that he's won those two Super Bowls with two different teams. And as you mentioned, it's impossible. I shouldn't say impossible. It's hard to find another quarterback who has the sort of career stats that Peyton Manning has put together with a variety of different cast members and two different franchises. Patrick Mahomes, what he's done already, like I said, can move, can move him up the list um, easily. If he continues to add to this already unbelievable uh, uh, resume. Um, In fact, I will say this though. If uh, say the chiefs, you know they don't have a down year they make the playoffs have an early exit something like that this upcoming season and Aaron Rodgers does win a Super Bowl with the Jets in his first year he very quickly becomes my number four because I give a tremendous amount of respect to a guy who's played as well as he's done over his career and again won a Super Bowl with two different franchises that's really difficult to do gentlemen
5: yeah. You did this to me a couple of weeks ago, Rich. You got me all giddy about the Jets and Rogers. <laughs> you, almost, you did the Vince McMahon gif, jif, whatever, however. Oh, yeah. You but, um, that, <laughs> we'll never know. Yeah. Now, you know, the calf injury, we'll see. I know it's it's very early Oof. in the in the tenure, but the honeymoon stage might be ending quickly yeah. is kind of my point. Um if Aaron Rodgers wins a Super Bowl with the Jets in year 1, I, I think he should get a temporary uh, status like just like Michael Block's temporary tour membership which is might be short-lived. Um it- of number one on the list for one season. <laughs> like it just, I, I think the, uh, just doing that and, and, and taking the demons, all the demons there um, in East Rutherford and, and, and throwing them to the wayside in the swamps of Jersey and, and getting that team to a Super Bowl would be just incredible. Uh, listen, Marino and Elway, I, I think those guys came up together, right? First in that draft, in, in the same draft. Yep. And those two, I think, are linked like, I would put the – because Elway's won the Super Bowls and, and, and had the postseason success. Marino had all the regular season success. I know most of the time we prefer the postseason success, but let's be honest. Those Dolphins teams were really, really good, and they were breaths away in certain times from winning Super Bowls in that era. Um, it just didn't quite work out for Dan, but man, oh, man – those two guys, I think, together, it's, it's weird to have a quarterback list and not have those two on it. But you've got guys that are still playing today, Mahomes, Rogers, Brady just retired, and, and Peyton Manning just retired, that have all surpassed them already on, on, on Rich's list. It's just it, it's interesting to see how the game has changed so much and how so many – like I don't know if this would happen in Major League Baseball. Like w- are all the best players, four out of the top five, three out of the top five best players in baseball, are they, are they active today? I don't know if it's the same. Like it just, I guess it kind of speaks to the type of evolution the sport has gone through right. over the last 20 years.
3: Yeah, it really does speak to, and I'm not taking all credit away from these present-day quarterbacks because sure. Mahomes is sensational. He's not simply the byproduct of rule changes. You know what, I, what I mean? But it's way more wide open offensively, which I would, I'm not deducting points from the present-day guys, and I don't think you are either. I would give more credit to the
5: the the before era guys, yeah.
3: Marino's throwing for five thousand yards in eighty four. Well,
5: Dan That's Fouts, insane. Staubach, like these guys <laughs> that were just icons in the seventies and in, in, in that time when offense was not what it is today. The rules were not what they are today. Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. It's it's amazing how far the the game has come in certain ways and how different the game is now. I I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I am I am definitely more a fan of the game progressing and becoming more in line with the values of the day it's played in as opposed to holding on to the past because that's been my common complaint and I I feel like it's a refrain you hear from a lot of fans of sports that it's hard to get into baseball because it doesn't feel like it's kept up with the times um so the nfl these changes that have been made to make the quarterback position quote-unquote easier to play i know it's not easy but easier than perhaps it once was you have a lot less to worry about in terms of your personal safety playing quarterback how hard you're going to be, be hit where you're going to be hit the receivers aren't getting molested at the line of scrimmage the way they used to or slammed over the middle So it's a lot easier of a game from those standpoints to to navigate as a quarterback. But you you do kind of have to hold that against the former pros when you look at the numbers now because it's impossible not to. You know, I know it's a completely different game, and I I know even the game I grew up watching looked vastly different than the game we're watching here in 2023, but – But, you know, that's what we do. We make comparisons. We're human beings. And so a lot of those Unitas's or Starbucks, they're going to be left behind and they're going to be remembered in just almost like a different bracket of quarterback.
3: Yeah, I think uh, if you dip your toe in the what-if waters, it can be interesting just for a bit, where if you think... Hey, what if Marino was the Niners quarterback? Yeah. Right. And what if Montana was on the
5: Dolphins? Or LA on the Dolphins. Yeah. Completely different vibe on that those Dolphins teams. Think present day. Brock Purdy got
3: a lot of flowers last season. If he's the Houston Texans quarterback, is he getting flowers? You know what I mean? Like, if you just dip your toe in those waters, kind of interesting. Put Mahomes on the Jets. Come on.
5: Just do it, guys. Do it. <laughs> there, there you go. Totally necessary different vibe, right? <laughs> necessary change right there. <laughs>
3: uh, you talk about totally different vibe, that would not be the case with this man. It is the same outstanding, stupendous vibe every single time, and he goes by the name of Isaac Lowenkron.
6: I appreciate that very much, especially when you started to say stew, you said pendus instead of what I thought you were going to say. So I appreciate that a great deal. It's not usually like that a lot of the times around off-air activities when it comes to me. In Major League Baseball on Friday night, fellas, the Boston Red Sox broke a four-game losing streak with a 7-2 to victory at Arizona. The Oakland A's they lost again. The Houston a- the Houston Astros beat them 5 to 2. Oakland's record is 10 and 43. That Ooh. is the most losses through 53 games for any Major League team since 1900. The Pittsburgh Pirates meanwhile had seven home runs for just the third time since 1900 and an 11-6 victory at Seattle. Jorge Soler of the Miami Marlins homered for a fourth straight game in their 6-2 win over the Angels in Anaheim. The Tampa Bay improved their Major League Best record to 38-15 with a 9-3 victory over the Dodgers in their first meeting since the 2020 World Series. The Texas Rangers won at Baltimore 12-2. They scored 8 in the 4th including a Corey Seager Grand Slam. Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis Jr. of the Padres both hit home runs and a Yankee Stadium second deck as San Diego beat the Yankees 5-1. Max Scherzer struck out 8 in 7 innings with no walks getting the win as the Mets victorious at Colorado 5-1. Francisco Lindor, a home run for RBI. And Craig Kimbrell of the Phillies became the eighth pitcher in Major League history to record 400 saves in their 6-4 victory at Atlanta. Coming up tonight at 8.30 Eastern, it's Game 6 of the NBA's Eastern Conference Finals from Miami, with the Heat leading the Boston Celtics three games to two. Finally, I just found a must-follow on Twitter. Oh it's at Ornberger. At Ornberger, among the fantastic content you'll find there, in response to the news of the Arizona Cardinals releasing DeAndre Hopkins yesterday, he posted a GIF of a cute dog holding up a cell phone to its ear with the caption, Aaron Rodgers, RN, dot, dot, dot. Back to you. (laughs) Thank you, Ilo. It's Fox Sports
3: Saturday right here on Fox Sports Radio. At the end of your first year, Discover credit cards automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you earned doubled. Seriously, see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. I wanted to throw some audio at you guys. This is one of the worst statements I've ever heard in my life. But it is hysterical. It's awful and hysterical at the same time. So this is Rod Brindamore. He is the head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. I'm going puck on you, okay? Okay. So, Carolina, they got swept. They lost four games to nothing. The definition of a sweep against the Florida Panthers. So, this is the Hurricanes head coach talking about getting swept.
1: Very interesting logic here. Check it out.
4: That's the unfortunate part of this is
1: he's going to look back and everyone's going to say you got swept. And that's not what happened. I watched the game. I'm there. I'm cutting the game. We're we're in the game. That, that, that we didn't get, we didn't lose four games. We we got beat, but it's, you know, we were right there, and this could have went the other way, and it could have been four games the other way.
3: What the right. hell is that? That is so unhockey. I, I couldn't come up with anything that's more unhockey than that. Is we didn't get swept. We didn't lose. I mean, I mean, technically, that's exactly what happened, but that's not what happened. What is he talking about?
4: Yeah, th- th- to me, when you when you corner uh, a scared animal, <laughs> you know, yeah. occasionally you, you you get you get a weird reaction. You know, um, the, I I watched this video, you know, of a predatory bird. You know, it might have been a hawk or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, slam into a screen door. Okay, this woman was dog walking. And all of a sudden, I mean, this bird, which, by the way, the dog she was walking could have very easily just scooped up her dog and taken it away with it. But it was in danger, right? It was, it was stuck in this screen. She was walking by. This wasn't even her house. So she ties her dog to a mailbox post. She goes and helps this bird out. And the bird doesn't act like a bird of prey. It acts like a pet. All oh, of wow. a sudden, it's docile, right? It's like... It's like she's like cooing this vicious raptor from the skies as she's un, 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 unhitching its talons from this. And then, yeah, I'm pretty sure the bird was concussed. We should get in the protocol. It was it was sitting there <laughs> on these these wobbly legs as she's walking away from this porch after helping it out. And I was thinking to myself, like, this is what happens when people are in danger sometimes, too. Like, instead of getting the reaction you think you're going to get, like an angry person after an embarrassing loss, there are times where you get responses like this. Because when you're in fight or flight, sometimes you're you're stuck in between, and that's what this felt like to me. This commentary was very much the hawk slammed into the screen. Now what do I do?
5: (laughs) I think I'm going to start using this logic for all my gambling losses. I, yeah, really didn't, yeah. <laughs> I really didn't lose that bet, guys. It was, it was taken from us in an unfair way. And I'm going to put it down on my, on my spreadsheet as a win or yeah. as a push because I, I don't think we lost. I mean, I, I understand that there might be some psychological methods of coping at play here, mm-hmm. right, to, to try not to throw. Or who knows? Maybe there's something that happened behind the scenes right before this interview. There's a little tension behind the scenes perhaps with the front office with this but i i don't know the full context i actually didn't even hear this quote until you guys played it in the morning i don't even know that he said this because let's be honest once a team gets eliminated from the nhl postseason the nhl postseason itself is not something i spend a ton of time focusing on every day but it when you look at this particular situation it is surprising because I, i Take hockey players at more of a face uh, value. Yeah. Hey, this is the reality of what happened. We're going to grow from it. We're going to learn from it. We're going to get better. It is a bit off color for what a, a hockey coach normally uses as his rhetoric for his, for his speaking engagement. So – a little bit surprising, but I, again, I, I, I'm going to see if maybe I'll start using this logic in my gambling losses and people will start giving me the benefit of the doubt.
3: There you Probably go. Zero losses. Uh, what was Zero it, LeVar Ball? Undefeated. Never lost. Undefeated. Never never lost. <laughs> <laughs> this is the the LeVar Ball of hockey over here. Rod Brindamore. All right, we've got Rich Ornberger, Penn State All-American. Jared Smith is with us, FSR betting analyst. I'm Brian Noe. Coming up next, hatred can sometimes make you a complete idiot. It's Fox Sports Saturday right here on Fox Sports Radio.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip.
2: Now, I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: It is Fox Sports Saturday live from the TireRack.com studios. We're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at progressive.com. So Scottie Pippen is back at it. Scottie Pippen is not just tugging on Superman's cape, meaning Michael Jordan. He is, my goodness, he's dropping the people's elbow on a superman over here he's, he's giving him the, he's putting him in the steiner recliner it's ridiculous so this is uh scotty pippen on stacy king's give me the hot sauce podcast listen to what pip has to say about jordan now lebron will be the greatest statistical guy to ever play the game of basketball and there's no comparison to him none so does that make him the
2: greatest player to ever play the game I'll leave that out for debating because I don't believe that there's a great player because our game is a team game, and one player can't do it. Like, i seen Michael Jordan play before I came to play with the Bulls. You guys seen him play. He's a horrible player. He was horrible to play with. He was all one-on-one. He's shooting bad shots,
4: and all of a sudden, we become a team and we start winning. Everybody forgot who he was.
3: Yeah, we just forgot. We forgot who Jordan was over here. Now, here's the interesting thing about Jordan. Here's some uh, the facts that fly in the face of what Pip was saying right there. And I love Pip. You know, as a Bulls fan growing up, Jordan, Pippen, love both those guys. But Jordan led the league in scoring ten times. He led the league between 87 and 93. That's seven straight years. And then from 96 to 98. You might have noticed that – Six of those years, they won championships, okay? He's leading, not the team, the freaking league in scoring. So all this, he was just one-on-one before I got here, and then he was a team guy, and we just forgot who he was. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard.
4: Yeah, I, I disagree with what Pippen said. I, I will say this, I'm a big Scotty fan, too, because even though I grew up in New York, I was – I mean, the biggest Chicago Bulls fan. Loved Jordan. Loved him as an individual athlete. Wanted to be like Mike. I had the posters. I had the Bulls' bedspread. I was nearly uh, thrown out of my house um, by my father, who was a a lifetime Knicks fan. And these were during the Pat Riley, you know, John Starks, Patrick Ewing years, you know. And it was a house divided. I loved the Bulls, though. Um, with that, Scotty's wrong, uh, and it's okay. I, I know that he's not just speaking from a facts and stats standpoint. There's a lot of history and some bad blood there, and I, I know that even what looked like perfect teams aren't perfect, as we learned during the Jordan documentary. He had a lot to say about his teammates and about you know life during that time, and he got some control of the narrative. Now you're hearing – you know, Scotty barked back at a lot of that narrative. And I don't I don't care where they're at from a personal standpoint, that's their own that's their own deal. But watching those games through my own eyes, and I watched a lot of Bulls games growing up, Michael Jordan was the goods. Michael Jordan is, if not the greatest player to ever play, number two on the list of all time. He's number one. Um, I look I I, I I love Jordan. I am so Amazed with LeBron James. I, I've never seen, I've never seen a human being that size be that athletic and do what he's been able to accomplish, especially during a time where the NBA oddly is trying to share the wealth. Jordan got a lot of the accolades, you know, Defensive Player of the Year and and MVPs and stuff. LeBron James arguably could have had more of those individual accolades if the NBA wasn't trying to spotlight other stars over the portion of his early career where he was still earning those awards or could have been earning those awards. But I digress. The point is, Scotty's wrong. It, 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 it doesn't make sense to look at Jordan and think of him anything other than a champion and a clutch performer and if not the greatest, the second greatest of, of all time.
5: Yeah, we got to check. We got to put Scotty in concussion protocol, I think. It's really oh, moral man. Story. Big time. Um, I, to call him a hor- the word horrible player in the yeah. same sentence as Michael Jordan is just
3: He's a horrible
0: player. I, I,
5: I, I don't really think I can expand on it logically past that's where it starts and ends. Once you use horrible player and Michael Jordan in the same sentence, that's it. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm done. I've checked out. So we might as well just move on to the next topic because I have really nothing. <laughs> I can't add anything more to – I can't take it seriously. There's got to be something else behind the scenes, right? Like there's got to be some other context here that I'm right. not grasping because any logical person that watches basketball that calls Michael Jordan and uses the word horrible player in the same sentence, it just I, – I can't take that seriously.
3: Right. Well, that's where hatred – can make you a bozo yeah and i don't it's know There it went south between scenes. pip and jordan but yeah. pip has got this axe to grind and it yep. is completely blocking his vision yeah. and his ability to make uh we call that bias sense. in the gambling world oh man it's yeah it's over the top bias there, there needs to be a new word for the bias that pip has all right coming up next is this guy more name than game at this point Is this guy more name than game at this point? We're diving into that next. Hope you're having a fantastic Saturday. We are broadcasting live from the TireRack.com studios. TireRack.com will help get you there An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Okay, so we've got DeAndre Hopkins, D-Hop, On the open market, one of the better wide receivers in the game, even now, many would say. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. If we look a little closer at DeAndre Hopkins, who has been a flat-out stud, there's no denying that, he has not been his typical flat-out studly self the past two seasons. This is something to keep in mind. If you look at last season, only played nine games. The season before that, only played ten games. He's had some injuries. He also had a six-game Suspension for violating the PED policy. Now, let me ask you guys a question. Um, Are players more likely to use PEDs when they're at the top of their game or when they've lost a step? Mm. Because it's the latter, right? And that's something that you have to keep in mind because DeAndre Hopkins might get a big deal. And whoever gets him is going to expect him to be performing at a very high level. Maybe not prime DeAndre Hopkins, but at a very, very high level. And I'm just telling you, buyer beware. Because he's been nicked up a lot. He's got a hammy here. He's got this other injury there. He's going to be out for the next four games. It's something to keep in mind because he has been on a bit of a decline the last two years. And you just have to be honest with yourself – with where you realistically expect him to be and what type of dollar amount you're signing him for.
4: Nah, I get it. I, I completely understand where you're coming from, and I, I don't disagree with anything you said. However, I will say this. An aging superstar uh, can be one of the greatest assets to your franchise if, if you have a stable culture. I mean, think about Randy Moss to the Patriots. Um, it felt like that was a guy who might be washed, entering the uh, final chapter of his career. Completely rejuvenated himself with Bill Belichick and the Patriots culture, and Tom Brady, a great quarterback. Um, you know, we've seen this story play out in other places. It's, it's, it's not, it's not the rarest thing to see a guy who looks like he's kind of at the end of his rope. A Carson Palmer. Uh, coming to Arizona to be rejuvenated by a Bruce Arians um, when it felt like he was at the end of his rope he he was the Cincinnati Bengals star QB for years and then he had a cup of coffee in Oakland didn't look good knee injury comes to comes to the Cardinals and and he looks better then you know there there are many examples of this so I think with D-Hop I agree with you. I think it's very possible that performance-enhancing drugs could have been something that he turned to because he felt like some of the edge that he was playing with was missing and maybe he got some bad advice. Or perhaps the testing caught up to something that he had been using all along. Who knows? We'll never know the story. He'll never tell. Um, But one one thing I can tell you is if you look at his performance when he's on the field, those numbers are real. He just hasn't had enough field time lately. He's getting up there in age. He's on the wrong side of 30. I get all that. But if he can have a full season, a healthful season coming up next, he could earn every dollar he's due to make this year. And and you may be you may be able to entice him into restructuring, depending on what franchise he, uh, he gets assigned by, to make it a little bit more cap-friendly.
5: Yeah, I, I think – the other side of this right we talked off the top of the show just arizona what do you think like wh- what's going on there in arizona that you just let him walk all right well that's in the, that's in the past i know it just happened yesterday but it's in the past it happened the next step of the equation is there's this fantastic all pro receiver floating around just walking around the uh the open road the open market and anybody can sign him i think the context of when he gets signed, how he gets signed, the the, the money, the year, like all of that stuff is going to change how we view on his situation going forward. The destination obviously is is crucial. Is he going to be paired with a veteran quarterback that maybe can get the most out of his last good years or is he going to be like Carolina, go to a place where he needs to be kind of the 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 company man and, you know, you know, turning the tide of a franchise that has a new quarterback that wants to trend in a positive direction. Or is it a Buffalo or Kansas City where, you know, he kind of just gets dropped in and, and hey, give us your best year right now, DeAndre, because if you do, we've already got the rest of the team ready to roll right now this year. I think that fits where Hopkins is in his career, I, I would be surprised if he went to a place like Carolina or Indy with a young rookie quarterback yeah. starting for the first time. I see him, frankly, I I keep going back to the Lions and and I, I keep looking and, you know, you mentioned the Jamison Williams suspension. That's part of the equation. You get a little more production out of a guy early on in the season. You would think Hopkins would be fresher early in the season. And then maybe his production declines throughout the course of the year. Well, that's when Jamison Williams will be coming back. So I, I think that kind of makes sense to me. But I don't know if I'm ready to just call it quits on his career and say, oh, yeah, you know, the the, the PEDs and all the teams he's played for and all this stuff. Eh, I'm, I'm just going to move on and, and, and not really think of Hopkins as a guy that can make an impact in the NFL next year. I think he can. And I think – you hope This is his last chance, right? This is his third team. This is his last chance to really make that game-breaking impact and, and have that kind of career that maybe wins a Super Bowl or, or really makes a deep playoff run because he hasn't done that yet. He's had great numbers, but they haven't really equated to success in the postseason. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what team he lands on. I think that clearly is, is, is the next step of the equation here. Well,
3: that's the thing is I think that he can make a difference. I still think he's got game left. Yeah. But I think his name recognition is greater than That's the fair. game he has right now. I always use this example of I have a Nissan Altima, and I love that car, but it's not worth a hundred thousand dollars. You know what I mean? And that might be where DeAndre Hopkins is at this stage of his career. He might be closer to Odell Beckham Jr. territory, where mm-hmm. it's like we're going to sign him to like north of fifteen million. We're One talking deal eighteen too, million. Right? You might not get that return on investment. You might not get the production that is equal to that dollar amount. That's where I think it is. But then it gets very juicy. Where does DeAndre Hopkins land? Is it somewhere like Jacksonville? I think DeAndre Hopkins is still talented enough where even if you overpay, you're still going to get some really good production out of the guy. Would that be enough? to start to swing things in Jacksonville's favor as they try to make more progress in a loaded AFC. What if he went to Green Bay? How juicy would that oh, be? Oh, man. If you get DeAndre Hopkins the first season,
4: Aaron Rodgers is no longer there. That would be yeah. wild. Well, let me, let me give it to you this way. My comp for DeAndre Hopkins at this point in his career is Christian McCaffrey. I mean, <laughs> C-Mac for years in Carolina was underwhelming because – of injury time yeah. spent on the field the guy just he just couldn't stay healthy and so i i mean when available Amazing. Yeah. DeAndre Hopkins, when available, amazing. Now I understand there was no PED suspension with the McCaffrey storyline, but he goes to a stable franchise with a lot of stars around him and all of a sudden he shines again. Yeah. There's less pressure on him to be the every down guy. There's less pressure on him. There's less hits. There's less wear and tear on his body. I I, I see DeAndre Hopkins. If he if he enters a franchise that has a stable culture that has um the availability to not make him the the star every week but maybe the star every other week or maybe you know a, a combination of him with some other stars uh sharing the billing i think you could a see career extension for him he, i think he, he could extend his career beyond where it may go if he stayed in arizona for example or if he goes to a less stable culture and b he could become the receiver maybe not the 1500 yards per year receiver he was when he was in his mid-20s but he could become uh a, 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 i guess uh an outline a brilliant outline of the receiver he used to be
5: yeah that would be really interesting the packers thing really would be i mean Ugh. that that just moved the needle for me in my brain for that split second that i put him there in my mind i I still think the spot matters more than anything else. I I think I don't have a strong opinion on how he's going to fit into any fold next year. Like, for example, if a great NBA player, LeBron James, I know we we were hearing all the talk about if he's going to move on. Like if he goes to another team it's it's not as like the fit doesn't matter as much. It's LeBron James or a great quarterback. The fit doesn't matter as much it's the quarterback the world gets built around him, whereas I think Hopkins. He's not that kind of a receiver anymore to where it doesn't matter what fit, what situation. I think the fit and the situation – he's at that point in his career where I would put Odell in the same – honestly, I think these guys are very similar, frankly. I think the the fit – and that's why a lot of people raised eyebrows when Odell signed with Baltimore. It was like, does the fit make sense there with Mm -hmm. Lamar and and where they are currently and, and, and what kind of quarterback Lamar is? We're going to be talking about that same context whenever DeAndre signs. The fit and the team and the system, the scheme, the quarterback, the everything. I think that matters more than the name. So going back to your original point, Brian, I think you're you're right. The game doesn't match up to the name right now. Mm -hmm. His name right now is, wow, DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, my goodness. But I think once he signs, the conversation will be more about the fit. Then DeAndre Hopkins just all of a sudden renovating whatever offense he goes to. It has to fit together because of the stage of the career and all of the other things we're talking about, you know off to the side of, of what DeAndre is the player right now,
4: yeah 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 I, look I'm a DeAndre Hopkins fan from the standpoint of i don't know if I've ever seen a guy control. Um, defensive backs downfield the way he's able to, and I mean just from a physical standpoint, but also his his route running. I he, look there. There are many great examples of receivers who can go up and get the football, uh, you know, in, and have clutch performances. But when he's at the top of his game, it, it's 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 hard to compare. There was a point where. You know, his name was being discussed in conversation with all-time greats. That's mm. been diminished some over the yeah. past two seasons. But, again, remember, remember the quarterbacks, even before he left Houston, who he's been playing with. It, 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 yeah. it pales in comparison to the it's quarterback true. who he was playing with prior to. And if he can then again be reunited with somebody who – understands how to utilize him offensively from a, a play calling standpoint but then a quarterback who can find him consistently and not rely on him solely i think we could see a complete resurgence it's it really comes down to where deandre hopkins lands and i think it would behoove him to take less to get more out of his career and, and yeah. again what you go to a stable franchise you restructure your contract that can happen overnight well, that's the thing is, you
3: go back to his 2015 season, it still blows my mind. Oh, he it does. 111 yeah. catches for over 1,500 yards and 11 touchdowns. Now, listen to his quarterbacks that year. Brian Hoyer with nine starts, Ryan Mallett with four starts, TJ Yates with two, and Brandon Whedon with one. Yeah. Wow. Those were his quarterbacks, and he put up those numbers. Now, the difference is, that was year three. Of his NFL career. This is about to be
5: year 11. That's, That's
3: wild. He's been difference. in a league
1: that long.
5: Yeah. Huge difference. And receivers that are that tenured, we do not talk about them in this light very often. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's, you know, usually 11th year of your NFL career, you're not going to move the needle in that way because of just the age factor that is involved.
3: Well, yeah, and I think that's what happens sometimes is we're thinking about DeAndre Hopkins between 2015 and 2018 where he was peak D-hop. I mean, the last four years, he hasn't had double-digit touchdown catches. In the last two years he've been banged up quite
5: a bit in the PEDs i'm just telling you i mean you. the year the average length of a career for a receiver in the nfl is 2.8 years
4: oh yeah, yeah. i mean but <laughs> he's <yes>. a freak <laughs> but but yeah. there there are a lot of i unfortunately really really bad receivers yeah yeah that, but that still in your 11th year when
5: it's like hey we got to get this guy because he's going to change how we play right like it's just it's rare it's very rare
4: yeah Yeah. i i look everything you could you could notch in the negative column for DeAndre Hopkins. I there's a counterpoint to that. And that's the reason why sure. he's still being debated and discussed. Same with Odell Beckham Jr. You know there was a time where this this discussion happened surrounding Terrell, uh, Terrell Owens. There was a time, you know, yeah. you reach a point of diminishing returns with these players. You don't want to obviously be the the last person to buy the apple before it finally <laughs> rots, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've, been, I've been there
5: before. Yeah,
4: and, and that's an unfortunate reality for everyone. It's coming for everyone. But if you can get the the last of the best of DeAndre Hopkins and you're one the next year. team to get one good year, Yep. I mean, he's worth every penny. Well, that's the thing
3: is there's a difference between more name than game. That doesn't mean no game. Right, you yeah, know what I mean? Right. It's just the name yeah. recognition is greater than the game. I think it's Odell Beckham Jr. It's a good conversation to have, right. frankly. I, yeah.
5: I, I think he's the one guy where in his 11th year, we're moving the needle. It, he might be one of the few receivers in his 11th year. Where we're like, wow, we got to get this guy because he is, he can play.
3: Yeah, and that might be wrong. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> Could be, right? Mean, right, You know, like, I think he can still play, but, like, it's this splash move. We got DeAndre Hopkins, and it's like, the
5: well, when it happened yesterday, the, the presses stopped, for lack of a better word. Like, it was yeah. – I remember tweet I tweeted out, like, a baseball nugget about some nerfy, and then it was, like, a minute later, the Hopkins news broke. I was like, well – that's going to get lost in the shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> Never lost in the shuffle
3: today, though. He's there Jared Smith, FSR betting analyst. Rich Ornberger with us, Penn State All-American. He's got a shaved clavicle. I do. I think of him when I, I grill out, and I think Rich would do this better. I don't know how, <laughs> no, but he would just please, please, I'm Brian No. Uh, coming up next, a couple of strategic moves that are getting a ton of attention. It is Fox Sports Saturday right here on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back in. It's Fox Sports Saturday live from the TireRack.com studios. At the end of your first year, Discover credit cards automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you earned doubled. Seriously, see terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. Okay, so we've got a, a couple of stories here. Got a lot of attention. And uh, I think they are strategic moves. We, we will start with the king of strategy, if you will. LeBron James, so uh, this is the question after the Lakers got swept against the Denver Nuggets. How
5: would you evaluate the season that you
3: had? Okay, how would you evaluate the season? And LeBron, he mentioned a few things, made it to the Western Conference Finals, great for Darvin Ham, yada, yada, yada. And then he just dropped this casually as his last little walk-off sentence, if you will.
0: I don't know. I don't know. I got a lot to think about, to be honest. I got a lot to think about, to be honest. And, um, just for me personally going going forward with the game of basketball. Got a lot to think about. Appreciate it.
3: Okay. <laughs> uh-huh. Gotta let <laughs> talking about maybe retiring. Savvy move. Strategic move. It shifts the focus. He's not gonna retire. It's maybe a leverage play, but it's mostly shifting the narrative because it would have been about lebron getting swept and his career is nearly over and yada yada it's overwhelmingly negative and now he just throws this out of "Eh, i might walk away and it's all is he gonna walk away is this the last we've seen lebron it shifts everything that is all that's going on here
4: yeah you know his his nickname is king james which is so appropriate because what do kings do Well, they control the narrative. Mm. The reason why they're kings, and really, honestly, any political uh, uh, elected party knows this. If you control the narrative, you control everything. If, If you have people believing what you want them to believe or talking about what you want them to talk about, you're in control. That's what this was. LeBron lost... Uh, in devastating fashion to a much better team. Is he still a great player? Yeah. Is Jokic at this point in his career a better player? Yeah. He knows it, but he also knows that Jokic has zero juice. That the Denver Nuggets have zero juice. That he's he can he can control the narrative, leaving the Western Conference Finals. So instead of the, the storyline or the narrative being, hey, look how good Denver is. Or, boy, oh, boy, is LeBron washed up. He had everybody eating out of the palm of his hand like, oh, is he going to leave us? No, don't oh, go. No, no. Please, LeBron, say it ain't so. And then all these articles come, I mean, pouring out, it's like LeBron James could retire. And then the Lakers feel like they need to respond. They come back with, well, if he's considering retirement, we're considering a young star. And then everybody is just distracted from, hey, the Denver Nuggets just took a team that has LeBron, a healthy LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and mopped the floor? with them for four games before discarding them like used trash and moving on to whoever they're going to wait a full week. June 1st is the opening uh, game (laughs) of the finals um, because it feels like a death march for whoever's coming out of the Eastern Conference anyways. This is Amazing, He is King James for a reason because he has taken the crown, put it on his head, and, and said to himself, if I get swept, how do I control the narrative? And he did just that.
5: It is good PR work. Mm,
4: and great. I've always yeah. I, I i've, I've always cre-
5: given credit to LeBron for that. He does seem, of all of the modern-day superstars, and when I say superstars, I mean at the t- tippy top of the sport – for example, Patrick Mahomes. Let's be honest, a little bit of a PR problem with his family, right? Oh, yeah. um, it, there's there's other stars that have issues. And, and listen, we all have issues in life. I have issues, too, that I'm glad I'm not a superstar at the tippy top of my sport field because I don't necessarily want people you know, my, putting my life under a microscope every second of every day. It's exhausting. It is a lot of pressure. Now these guys get paid, literally small fortunes of GDPs of some countries. So you want to put the king moniker back on top and the throne. Yeah, these guys make that kind of money. So with great money comes great responsibility, right? But you look at what LeBron is starting to frame. I guarantee you that before that interview took place, he had at least a conversation. Maybe it happened prior days, prior hours, weeks prior. Hey, LeBron. Your communications PR team. Here's how we're going to handle this situation. A good PR team is ready for anything. Sweep, not sweep. This, that, whatever. This is how we're going to handle it. And he probably was on board with it, obviously. I don't think you could get by with LeBron not being on board with a certain strategy. And you're right. The end of that interview, it almost is like LeBron remembered the talking points at the end and was like oh wait I got to get this in before I before yeah. I you know walk off the stage here and he just kind of gave you it because I think the timing of how he said it when he said it at the end it was almost like oh yeah by the way I yeah. might be leaving. Here you yeah, go. Yeah. Chew on that for a few days or whatever.
3: <laughs> Even that was strategic. Right? Yeah, maybe. It, it could have been. It, it been. wasn't the second response in the press conference. Yeah. It was the final
4: thing he said. So it just sticks with you. I'm yeah. telling you, man, it's
3: he's good on point. another
4: level. Think yeah. of it. Well, so, and, and, and then also, sorry to cut you yeah. off, Brian, but like, like think about the question that was asked them where he arrived. You're right. Like the pivot it took him to uh-huh. get there. Yeah. Mm. I mean, that's the other thing about it. Like, when you ask a politician a straight-on question, like a yes or no question that they don't want to answer, you you hear it you hear it before they even start answering. It's almost like they, as soon as they clear their throat, you know that whatever comes next is going to be whatever they're looking to inject into the conversation as opposed to answering the question you just just asked. So that's what LeBron did here. He knew that that was going to be the last question he took. He knew that that was going to be the soundbite on Monday that everybody ran with. He knew exactly what he was doing. Good point. It's, It's just, it's just Beautifully done. Strategery.
3: Strategery. Might be more uh, strategic moves here right around the corner. But speaking of someone who knows exactly what he's doing. That's right. That would be the one and only Isaac Lowenkron with the latest here.
6: LeBron James considering retirement.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Ate that up with a soup ladle, Isaac.
6: Oh, man. Yeah, no, you make a good point. I mean, give a raise to his uh, PR people. Uh, Denver wins the NBA championship, Michael Malone being interviewed. So, uh, Mike, you think LeBron's going to retire? Oh, gosh, I'd love to see that happen, his reaction. Anyway, some reactions from Major League Baseball on Friday night. The Boston Red Sox breaking a 4 game losing streak with a 7 to 2 victory over the Diamondbacks at Arizona. The Houston Astros victorious at Oakland 5 to 2. The A's now 10 and 43. That is the most losses through 53 games for any major league team since 1900 if you're wondering, by comparison, one of the most infamous losing teams of all time, the 1962 New York Mets. They finished with a record of 40 wins and 120 losses. After 53 games, they. Were 15 and 38 five games better than the A's are right now. Wow. The Pittsburgh Pirates hit seven home runs in an 11-6 victory at Seattle. Jorge Soler of the Marlins homered for a fourth straight game in Miami's 6-2 win over the Angels in Anaheim. Tonight at 8.30 Eastern, game six of the NBA's Eastern Conference Finals from Miami, with the Heat leading the Boston Celtics three games to two. Finally, there's been a new development in a bizarre story in which an internet sleuth claimed that NBA referee Eric Lewis was using a burner account to defend himself against critics on Twitter. Veteran NBA reporter Mark Stein even tweeted that the NBA had opened an official review into the situation. Last night, however, the alleged burner account posted, and I quote, This is Mark Lewis, right family, older brother i'm sorry that i put e in this situation but this ain't watergate unquote and with that fellas back to you i
3: thought you were gonna say he had a burner account and he's placing bets on Fanduel or something like that oh like, i
6: know That's that exactly. was uh that was t Donahue. that was at t Donahue, i believe <laughs> uh, yeah I'm glad, allegedly I'm
3: Glad it wasn't a gambling. And right Foster,
5: there. perhaps?
3: Yeah. about that. Fox Sports Saturday, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Okay, now here's the other story. We pivot from King James to maybe, depending on your perspective, King Ja, if you will. So, Ja Morant, here's the story. He posted a cryptic uh, uh, story on his IG page, and it was cryptic to the point where officers had to conduct a welfare check. So Jabbarant, he's been on video twice holding a gun. He got suspended for eight games the first time. He's in line to get suspended for many more games this time. And so he put on his IG story four different pictures, and it just said, love you, ma, love you, pops. You're the greatest baby girl. Love you about his daughter. And then bye. Wow. And he's just, like, walking away where the picture is, like his back has turned when the picture was being taken. And so some people are like, is he okay? Is he in a a healthy state of mind? Is he feeling awful based on screwing up again two months after the first gun video? And listen, anybody with half a heart hopes everything is fine with John Moran. Okay, hope everything is great physically, mentally, the whole nine yards. But here's where my mind goes. I think this is strategic also. I look at this and say, okay, he's walking away from social media. That was the whole thing. Do they think, oh, no, this was this is just me announcing I'm walking away from social media. I didn't know you were going to misinterpret it and think something serious was going on. Really? They had no idea it was going to be taken like that. It, like, Think about the second gun video. Where the statement comes out, and it's carefully crafted, and my words might not mean much right now, but I take full responsibility for my actions. Like, did Ja write that? Are those Ja's exact words, or is that carefully crafted by a group of people? Like, That's the way it goes. So what does this do? It shifts the focus away from Ja taking a beating for a second gun video. It was all, what is this guy doing? Why is he screwing up again? Here's a taste of that from Kwame Brown on YouTube.
0: I've heard an NBA young boy, but you NBA dumb boy. You got to be the dumbest mother in the league. Right? Like, he's
3: just getting crushed. And then this IG story comes out, and all of a sudden it's, hey, is Ja right? Is everything okay? I think this is strategic. And it shifts the focus. That's what I think is going on here. And I hope that's exactly what's going on because I don't want this guy to be struggling in any way.
4: Yeah, you know, I hope you're right, too. Look, you know, this is something that I've uh, spoken about publicly in the past. Um, I I went through a time during my playing career, and it was momentary, whatever that means. But I had suicidal thoughts. And it's difficult to even discuss now because I'm a happy guy. I have a, a beautiful family who I love deeply and and live for. And you know, it, it, I I was I was just going through a really hard patch. It was the first time I was away from the sport I love. I had a season-ending concussion, which potentially some of the symptoms that come post-concussive trauma uh depression and isolation and a lot of things that you go through to just try to recover from a concussion um you know could have led to some of this but i I remember calling up my my folks i called up my dad and my uh wife was out of town on business she was away for an extended amount of time and i called up my dad who lived fortunately uh, a driving distance at the time. They lived in New York, I was living in Boston, and I said, "Hey, uh, I'm in a bad place and I I need somebody here with me." And it was the greatest phone call I ever made because I'm not sure what would have happened, guys. Um, but it was it was a private cry for help. Mm-hmm. And my my father knew exactly what to do. You know, came we 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 were we got busy. You know, we were doing, like, little home improvement projects. I remember I had a, a television on a coffee table. And he was like, hey, you, you ever think about mounting that thing? And I was like, yeah, actually, yeah, it's something I want to do. And so, you know, we went down to the Home Depot, and we bought, you know, TV mounting kit, and it was the wrong one. So we had a retrofit, and it was just this long project, and it just – it, like it took my mind completely off of what was going on internally, and I was expressing myself externally, and it, it was a weird, it was a weird phase, and I call it that because since then, fortunately, I haven't felt that way before. But when you feel that overwhelming darkness, it, it's inescapable, and so if that's what Ja is going through, I hope the people, his parents, uh, his, his girlfriend. Uh, or or fiance or wife I don't know what his significant other relation to him is but but his his teammates his friends who love him they're reaching out and they're touching base with him and and like you said Brian I hope I hope this is as simple as him trying to take control of the narrative and strategically putting something out there to shift the public discourse about John Morant right now the athlete and the superstar and I hope something deeper isn't wrong with the person because that's a tough place to be. And there's, there's, it it feels like there's no escaping it. So if that's where he's at, I hope he has the people around him to help him get the help he needs because, um, it doesn't, you can't take steps forward until you fix yourself. And if, if that's where he's at, I hope he can fix himself.
5: Mm, Wow. I, I appreciate you sharing that, Rich. I didn't know that. Um, and I agree, Brian. I do hope that it is as simple as PR, mm-hmm. what's happening here, because th- this, is a, this is a dark world that we live in, and I, his generation, slightly younger than, than, than me, um, Gen Z, right? I'm an older millennial, and, and he's kind of in the Gen Z vibe. Social media is toxic. It, it, it's toxic on so many levels. And I hope it's as simple as, hey, let's change the narrative, let's shift the focus, let's get off social media. That's a healthy choice for Ja, and I, I approve that choice. If there's something else going on behind the scenes that it's not just that, then we need to have a much deeper conversation. Guys, social media, I've been bullied on social media. I know, I'm know i not Ja Moran. I don't get bullied to the extent that he has been bullied on social media over the last few weeks because of his decisions. But – I work in a public field. I give out sports picks every day. Sometimes they're wrong. People get upset because they lost money and they lash out. And social media is easy to hide behind anonymity when you sure. are doling out uh, insults and, and making people feel less, you know, pushing others down to make yourself feel good. And maybe he just reached a tipping point with it. And and he, he has seen – I'm sure you have to be living under a rock to not see and hear the things that are being said about him over the last month. Mm-hmm. And maybe he reached that point – and I reached it too. I, I, I had moments – you know, over when I first started this this little gambling avenue that I've gone down, where it, it, it's it's stressful, and you're putting your money and other people's money on the line every day, and people lose and they get upset and they lash out to you. And eventually, I I took breaks from social media over times, and I think it's a healthy choice. I don't know enough about Jaws inner circle to know if this is strategic or if there really is something going on there behind the scenes, but. Also, if you, the, the one thing that pushes me to maybe there's a little bit of, of negativity going on that we don't know about because if you were just taking a break from social media, I might have just said that and, and just said, hey, listen, I, I need to take some time to focus on me, and I'm going to take a step back from putting myself out there every day. Right. I think that would have been the right way to say I'm taking a break from social media. I do think there's a little emotion baked into this that maybe is – all right, I'm at the end of my rope, guys, and I need, I, I, I need help. It, it kind of feels like a cry for help. Maybe it's a strategic cry for help, but it does feel like Ja does need some help. So I give him support. I give him love because I know we've all been at dark times in our life, and I hope we don't get judged by our lowest moments, and I'm sure this is one of those for Ja.
3: Well, and that's what I think is if you were trying to get people on your side again, yeah, how would you do it? Mm-hmm. You would do it like this. You would do it with this i g story because it was nothing but what is this guy doing? What a knucklehead, why is he screwing up again, so forth, and so on and now all of a sudden, after this post, it shifts the perspective yeah. and it's like we're on jaw's
4: side again. is well, he okay does he need anything yeah what's crazy about that too, you know is is you you're you're rooting you're rooting for something that is kind of despicable if you think about it like um like, because don't don't get me wrong, I I agree fully with what you're saying, Brian. Like, I want I want for Ja like that he's not in some dark place that people really need to be concerned for his mental well-being. Totally. Yeah, you know. But at the same time, if if we're hoping for that, we're also hoping that he's used social media almost as a false flag to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to to have people concerned that. He's suicidal. Yeah, you'd be using mental health for your personal It's a way. cry
5: for help, guys.
4: It, yeah. it really is. And
5: maybe there's something else underneath it that we don't know. But this is a cry for help in some stretch of the imagination. Yeah,
4: yeah. It's be. bizarre. All
3: right, we've got Rich Orenberger, Penn State All-American. We've got Jared Smith, FSR betting analyst. Do not bullying him on Twitter, okay?
5: I'll come I, after I, you. It's, I get it enough from my friends when I lose a bet. <laughs> let, let let Rich and Be your hitman. You men. guys you know? on the social yeah. media
3: world. <laughs> I, I'll be good cop. Rich will be bad cop. We'll get. Yeah. We'll take care of all the bullies over there. There you I, go. I'm Brian. Rich. No, coming up next. Like let's Rich earn you some cash, guy. huh? Round table gambling talk. Our favorite way to end it. That's on the way. It's Fox Sports Saturday right here on Fox Sports Radio.
6: The O2. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, Ramon Laureano. And that is the ball game. Ryan Presley strikes out the side in the ninth to punctuate a five to two victory for the Astros in Oakland.
3: Welcome back in. It's Fox Sports Saturday live from the TireRack.com studios. That was the Progressive Play of the Day brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. That call was compliments of the Astros radio network as Houston beat the A's. 5-2, and Oakland is now 10-43 on the season. Not great. Top of the hour. <laughs> up on game. LeVar Arrington, T.J. Hushman's of Plaxico, Burris. And by the way, props to the crew. Tremendous day here. John Ramos with us again. Technical producer extraordinaire, Bo Benson, our outstanding producer, and Isaac Lohenkron doing an outstanding job on the updates. We got some money. To earn you over here. Jared, we'll start with you. What are you looking at?
5: I mean, just fade the A's every day, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, 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 again, I, I, it's not rocket science. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't just blindly bet stuff, guys. But in this particular uh, situation, you'd be up a lot if you faded the A's this year. Uh, I'll go to the NBA because I think that's the big game of the night, right? I, I, I think... If you're going to bet the Celtics tonight, I like the Celtics. I think they win the game. If you are feeling the same, bet them to win the series. Because what you're essentially doing is you're taking a minus 2.5, minus 3 price tonight and like a minus 10 in game 7, and you're boiling it down to one wager at like plus 120. So if they win tonight, then you have a plus 120 ticket in your back pocket for game 7, and the, price, the money line price for the Celtics at game 7 is going to be way higher than that. So just bet the Celtics to win the series
4: yeah every book i'm looking at has the celtics minus three or something like that three and a half other places i i i don't know if they're gonna win by that much or more but i do think they'll win and if they win i think they're gonna have to score pant loads of points so i'm gonna take the over on the 210 point total okay give me the washington nationals the royals are ice freaking cold enjoy your
1: money